There we go. All right, we're continuing our study of Paul's letter to the Romans. And the apostle to the Gentiles is explaining that while the Jew has an advantage of knowing God and having the law, he remains a sinner. And the Gentiles, who don't have the law, have a conscience that demonstrates that we have in some sense the law written on our hearts and that we're also sinners and aware of that. In other words, we're all sinners We all come short of the glory of God, and we're all in need of some other method of being justified before God. So Paul argues that the Torah and the prophets testify to a righteousness of God that is by faith and that it's independent of the law. And the justification that it brings is a gift of God's grace, and therefore it can't be earned, and it eliminates boasting. Now, he draws on Abraham from the Torah to show this righteousness of faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And then uh, that occurred while Abraham was uncircumcised. And then he received circumcision so that, according to Paul, Abraham can be the father of both the Jew and the Gentiles who trust in what God says and by grace are made righteous. While the law measures sin and brings condemnation, this grace that is entered by faith actually assures that the promises made to Abraham and to those who have faith in God will uh, come about. This God who raises the dead and calls things into existence. Now, Paul says that this righteousness is credited to you and I, we who believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and this Jesus is the one who was delivered to death because of our sins and raised for our justification. So we're going to pick up in Romans chapter 5 and uh, take a look at this um, uh, as Paul begins to unpack this a little more. In the first two verses of chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult or we celebrate in the hope of the glory of God. And what Paul's trying to make clear here is that this faith, this grace that we are receiving, we have entered it by faith. If we've entered it by faith and we stand in it, there is a process and there's a purpose for this righteousness by faith that's based on grace. And that purpose is that now, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God. We are not having God against us. And we are going to enter now into this process of grace, which has as its purpose the glory of God. This peace that Paul talks about, and he mentions it here, he doesn't really explain it in a lot of detail. And the hope of the glory of God, he also doesn't detail here. He addresses that later in the letter, and he does it more fully in some of his other writings. We'll talk about that later in the series. But being at peace with God is to be in direct relationship with him through Jesus. And Paul says, we celebrate, we exult in, we rejoice in the hope 
of glory. Now, I want you to remember that a hope is not a wish. We're not wishing this will happen. It's based on a promise because God promised that becomes our hope. And our hope is that we will experience and share in his glory at the culmination of God's purpose in creation. And so Paul says this very interesting thing, that we've been introduced by faith into this grace. Now that means our faith and this grace has a process that we are undertaking. And Paul tells us that we need to celebrate in that as well. And that is a little bit uh, uh, not what you might expect. So we're going to read verses 3 to 5 now. Paul says, um, not only this, not only do we rejoice in the glory of God, but we exult, we rejoice, we celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings proven character, and proven character brings hope, and that hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that is given to us. Now, Paul is giving us this process of faith in grace. And by the way, I want you to know, I wasn't told any of this as a new believer. So maybe neither were you. And that lack of knowledge contributed to my rebellion because I wasn't prepared to face tribulations. I was taught that once you came to Jesus, everything was a rose bed and everything was great. And it didn't work that way. And so that gave me a faith crisis. But thank God his grace remained with me when my faith was crushed. And so Paul gives us this process. And he says, we rejoice in it. We actually rejoice in the tribulations. Now, what does he mean? Well, this word means challenges or trials or testings that challenge the promise, make the promise seem like it's not real. Uh, and they mock our faith. And it will cause you either to doubt or to move forward by faith. These are part of the pressures of life. We all have them. Life Life has difficulties. The book of Ecclesiastes says that most days are dark and you should rejoice in the good ones. And those days and the pressures of life sometimes make it seem like God isn't there or he doesn't care or maybe he's angry at us. And then we shrink back. But we're not supposed to shrink back. These tribulations, when they are engaged in faith, the God who promised will keep his promise, will bring a result. And the result they bring, Paul says, is perseverance. When the tribulation is addressed by maintaining faith in God, no matter what the circumstances are, we begin to build a more muscular faith that demonstrates itself in endurance and in steadfastness. I will trust, though he slay me, Job said, I'll trust him. So when these situations are endured and that endurance becomes a pattern of our walking by faith and not by sight, we actually will gain what Paul calls proven character. Now the word here doesn't mean character, it really means provenness. In other words, 
you demonstrate yourself to be a believer in God who's holding on to his word and on to his promises no matter what. Others will see that, and they will see that either as there's something weird about you, but those who who hope in God will see that as a characteristic of your life and your walk. They will see that you hold to God even when your faith is being tested. Uh, I've been through this a lot through my life, and uh, while I don't claim to be always faithful to God, I, we, we all fall off the path there. Uh, there are times when the testing gets really severe. Uh, that happened for us with the loss of Braden. And people said, is this a faith crisis? And I said, no, I had a faith crisis when I wasn't sure if I trusted God. I now know I trust God, and that hope will get me through this. And that becomes a characteristic of your walk with the Lord, and it can be seen by other people. I've had people uh, mention that to me and to Linda and, and to others who have done this. So this proven character is part of what Paul says is going to bring us to a hope. Now, what he means by that is that we have a hope that becomes more certain. We begin to realize that none of this can possibly be our own doing. I'm not walking with God because I'm such a strong person. What's happening is God's love has been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is assuring me that God is there, and God, that faith that I have is coming from God. It's not coming from the circumstances, certainly not coming from me. It's a gift of God in this grace, and there is a sure and certain hope, and therefore we cling even closer to those promises. That's the process that we're supposed to engage in once we become believers and have entrance into the grace. But I was told that everything would go easy, and then when they came, I failed a lot of those tests because I didn't see them as uh, something that I navigated my faith through and that my faith would carry me through. I saw those as evidence that either I didn't have faith or that God wasn't there. And neither of those things were true. Later, I realized that the faith that I had had come to me from God and that if he gave me that, then I'm going to be okay. So we pick it up at verse 6. Paul says in this passage, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrated his love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Because if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having already been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? And not only this, he says, but we celebrate in God, we exult in God, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received this reconciliation. Wow. So Paul tells us that Christ died for the ungodly, that's us, while we were ungodly. That's not what people do. 
You have to earn it. You have to be worthy of it. You have that God didn't do that. He did it because we were so in need that he might demonstrate his riches and demonstrate his grace to us. He was demonstrating his love. How much does God love us? Jesus said this much on the cross, right? And so God was demonstrating that love by having Christ die for us while we were still in rebellion and sinners. And Paul says, man, if he'll do that while we're not reconciled to him, how much more will he do for us as we're recipients of this peace of reconciliation with God? It's so easy to to begin to pull away from God when things get rough, and that's when we need to run to him. To pull away from the communion table when we think we're unworthy, that's when we need to go to it. Our celebration is of all that God has done, all that God is doing, and all that he will do, and that's found in his word and in his promises. So that brings us to the last part of this chapter where Paul uh, gets into some of the weeds here. I'm going to read it, so we'll pick it up at verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not calculated, imputed, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. The free gift is not like the transgression, however, for if by the transgression of one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift of that grace by one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in total condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. If by the transgression of one, death reigned through the one, how much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the grace of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one trans, as though, as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men, even so one act of righteousness resulted in justification of life to all. And as though one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of one, meaning Christ, the many will be made righteous. Then Paul says, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I read that, and I'm not going to go through the detail of that, because we could park here and lay out all the specifics of Paul's comparisons, but I think as I read it, you kind of got lost. 
and and we can be taken off his primary message. So I'm going to summarize what what Paul says in these verses. He says, through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and all mankind became subject to death, even though they didn't sin exactly the same as Adam. And he says, the law wasn't there in order to measure and count the sins that were going on. He says, but grace is different. Grace overwhelms sin. So when the law did enter in and the process of sin exploded because by the law came the knowledge of sin, and Paul's going to talk about later that when we have the knowledge of sin, our sin got even worse. It abounded and increased. Paul says, I'll explain this. He's going to explain it later. But what he says is, and this is really the critical point here, where sin increased, grace much more abounded and increased all the more. It's like the old hymn, grace greater than all our sin. He said as far as sin can go, it can't go farther than God's grace. That's an amazing thing. Now, sin results in death, but grace, which is greater, reigns through righteousness of faith, not obedience, our faith, that results in life through our Lord Jesus. Wow. You and I have entered into this amazing grace process through faith. And our faith is going to be challenged by circumstances, by illnesses, by job losses, by tribulations, persecution. All those things will test and press and pressure our faith. But our endurance in the faith, even in spite of these things, gives proof that we have been loved by God and given his Holy Spirit. Because otherwise people would just give up. So it shows our faith to others, and as John says, it assures us that we really are believers because of God's love and his spirit. And it shows us that God is for us, God is in us, and God is with us. Now, Paul's going to address the obvious question in the next chapter. Well, if sin can go this far and grace goes even farther, maybe we should increase our sin so that grace may be increased. And Paul's going to say that's not the direction we're going, but we're going to talk about that next week. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to uh, stop the recording and um, and then we'll pray and then we'll enter into a Q&A.